Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! For the first time in 2020, 11 personnel is talking about a win. The Kentucky Wildcats were victorious over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. And today we're going to break down the 24-2 win over Mike Leach's air raid where, man, it was just how we predicted Luckett. A shutout, essentially. <laughs> how about that, man? No one saw that coming, I think. Well, the thing I, was, I thought it was going to be more like, like the talk all last week was like how bad Kentucky's past defense is. Can, at leaving the Ole Miss game, it was can you imagine what Mike Leach, his passing offense, will do to this past defense? But when you saw the script put out by Arkansas, and it was kind of similar to how Kentucky played, I thought they would have some success. I was impressed with how well they tackled. Um, I was impressed because they really didn't play dime. I mean, they were in nickel. The the linebackers. Jordan Wright and Boogie Watsons made plays in space Mm -hmm. um, all night, and so did DeAndre Square and Jamin Davis. I mean, that that to me, I think, was the key to the game more than anything else, was just the play of those linebackers just gobbling up everything Mississippi State tried to do underneath. It was funny because you – I forget what game it was the Louisville game like this similar similar to last year where you were like yeah you know this sounds like it could be like in this case it was like this could be a good big game for DeAndre Square and the linebackers after all Bumper Pool did have twenty tackles last mm-hmm. week and then well it just turns out that I think the linebackers the top four tacklers right Casey uh, nice to see Jared Casey in there Jamin Davis right. and DeAndre Square thirty two tackles between the four of them. The linebacker position had four picks by themselves. So it was one of those things where it's like, kind of think it's going this way. And I was, and I similarly was like, you know, I don't, I don't feel great about how they're going up against the three, three, five, but I didn't think it would be that bad. So it's almost like they took the little bit of what we thought things were going to happen. And then they just like ran a mile with it in that direction. And, and what we get out of it is a 24 to two game. We could, Get in that three three five. I thought the game plan um, wasn't the best. Um, no, 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 no. I thought that wasn't Grant's best effort. I thought it was coach speak last week. That's why I didn't bring it up. That him saying we're, we're going to go out and throw it. <laughs> now, if you looked at the stats, LSU and Mississippi or LSU and Arkansas had had success throwing the ball against them, but that's also the top pass rushing team in the SEC. Mississippi State ranks number one in the SEC in sack rate. They bring a lot of exotic blitzes. If you try to pass the ball, you're you know you're going to be in trouble because they make it hard on an offensive line. So and, and you add that in with the issues Kentucky's had at receiver. But we can get into that in a little bit. But just defensively, I think it just you Kentucky got to play a quarterback that kind of just sat, sat back there in the pocket. Yeah, and, I think that helped a lot. And they got their playmakers to to start making plays. Uh, mm-hmm. which it took a little while to get Boogie Watson going uh, the previous year. And I think I think it did again this time around. Same with Jordan Wright. I think some of it's a little bit of rhythm. Um, you know, it's a momentum kind of thing. But also, like, those – they got in obvious passing situations. And the word of the year so far has been situational football. This time – they got them in bad situations, and Kentucky took advantage of it instead of kind of the other way around. The good thing about playing Leach is you're in obvious passing situations 90% of the snaps <laughs> because he's stubborn. He's not going to run it into a three-man, four-man, five-man box. He's going to want to pass it. Mm-hmm. Jordan Wright, SEC – what was it, Defensive Player of the Week? Yeah, Defensive Player of the Week. He was awesome. He made he, – he, made, uh, he had a uh, – PBU on a pass rush. He had that pick six. Um, I think he had another PBU in coverage. That His performance there tells me, I think, when Boogie leaves, they probably slide him over to Sam. 
because I think he looks good kind of playing in space, which is more of what you need from that same linebacker. And then I think Weaver probably slides into that Jack position, but I thought that's just for next year, but right. That was all. He was awesome. The linebackers were awesome. Hoskins, Bohanna was awesome. Um, Isaiah Gibson, I thought played well. He got some push um, when he played and they played a ton of guys, which was more of Mm -hmm. what I thought we would see from the beginning. They really got that rotation rolling at, at all three levels. You talked about the linebackers, a lot of secondary players got reps, and of course on the defensive line. I just had a dark thought like it. What's that? Well, Jordan Wright's got two touchdowns in the last four games. Yeah. <laughs> he hit the scoop and scored in the belt bowl, and he got that pick six that he had to only walk about 10 yards to get into the end zone. And I had a dark thought, and that thought was, oh, God. Does he have more touchdowns than any UK wide receiver right now? And luckily, Josh Ali has four scores. Oliver um, has two. Yeah, Oliver has two. Daly doesn't have any. No, that's I just think two. Oliver. No, I think he has one. Never mind. He just has one. I think he had the one against Toledo. Toledo. Last yeah, year. I was thinking he had a second one, but he doesn't. Yeah, he has more. Um, um, Daly only has one. Um. Oh man, that's not good. I mean, good for Jordan Wright for having a nose for the ball, but hell. <laughs> I had a stat I put out on the Twitter sphere this morning, which kind of just encapsulates how bad of an issue um, wide receivers are right now. Um, Josh Ali's got 25 targets. The rest of UK's wide receivers have 32 targets. Josh Ali is catching 72% of the passes intended for him. Um, everyone else is catching less than 50%. Um, success rate, which kind of just measures each down. Are you moving the chains, how they're supposed to be moved? Josh Ali moved it on his targets. They could move it over 50%. It's 52. Um, the other, other receivers come in at 21.88. Um, and then big, then he's got double the amount of big play rate. So plays that go over 15 yards. So, um, it's not good to put it bluntly. And like Bryce Harris, like he's a guy I liked a lot coming out of high school. Demarcus um, Harris or Demar- yeah, Demarcus Harris. I'm sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, he's a guy I liked a lot coming out of high school. It kind of got me excited that he was gonna like we were hearing stuff about him in camp, but it's just been rough for him. He's missing blocks, fumbles, drop passes. Um, and then you lose Isaiah Epps and Bryce Oliver, and you really don't have anybody to put there. Um, hopefully they're getting Oliver back this week. Hopefully, you know, we see what he was, what they talked about us in camp, but I think it's really they're just like they, I just don't think they've recruited the position all that well. And then you add the coaching staff turnover, three assistants in four seasons. Um, I think they're just you know, they're just fishing for answers at that spot. And I think you know, obviously, it hurts the quarterback and it hurts the passing game overall. I just don't even know where to begin. It, I mean, it all begins. I think it it just like it's recruiting. Uh, to me, that's what it is. Like we can talk about it over and over and over, but at the end of the day, it comes back to recruiting. Like, Bryce Oliver and Allen Daly, they had to go get late in classes because they couldn't. They missed out on all their other receiver targets. They just – they missed on guys for, for whatever reason. And then – Scott look, Frost, bastard. You look at Epps, like he came in in the same class as Ali. After their sophomore season, they were on the same trajectory. Yeah, they both had it like, actually oh, – Probably had a higher ceiling. Right. They both had like 11 catches. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a perfect world, they would both be on kind of the same level, and then you'd be in a lot better shape than you are right now. Epps gets injured, and he has played, you know, one game in the last 14 months, and now we don't even know if we're going to see him again. Yeah, and the thing is, is I don't want to spend too much time just harping on the bad because Kentucky did win by three scores against an SEC football team that it was a game that they had to win, and it was also like – like it, I, I think in the last two decades, Kentucky's maybe won 10 SEC games about three scores or more. Uh, you had like a Mississippi State game last year, but it, it doesn't happen very often. Missouri last year, yeah. You had a Missouri game that was early in the morning with Benny Snell where they put up a bunch of points. Um, the Miss State game I'm thinking of was a 28 7 one with Benny Snell, but it just doesn't happen very often, so we do need to appreciate it. I mean, even when Kentucky was kind of dominating South Carolina in that five-year run, there weren't a whole lot of blowout wins. So to get one of these and to just completely suffocate the air raid, it is important. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know if I talked about it on here or elsewhere, but the whole air raid mystique, it was really good to just spread their butt cheeks and just crap all over it because I, the whole, well, we got to do things a certain way. Okay. Maybe you, Kentucky should have a more pass. Like, like look at what Nick Saban's doing. If Nick Saban's like, we got to pass the ball more to be successful. Okay. Maybe that's it. Air raid is, is different. It's like a high, it's a, it's great at high school. It's great at lower levels. And it's great. I think both of these schemes that they run up are great for um, evening the playing field to a degree. But like when you're in big boy football, you got to play big boy football. And as much as I, you know, I, I think you're seeing it with UK's wide receivers, which you would eventually see with the air raid, really hard to recruit defensive players when you've got an offense like that. It just is kind of like right now. I think you're seeing the recruiting lapses at the receiver position because it was all through right when Benny Snell and Boom Williams started going that run in 2016. That's when you start to see the recruiting walls at the receiver position. So I, I think there's a direct co- like correlation to not passing the ball a lot, not going to get a lot of big-time playmakers at receiver. Same thing with running the air raid and having defense. Well, air raid could work if you have this great defense. Eh, well, yeah. Good luck getting those defenders who want to play, stay on the field the whole time. You know what I mean? So uh, I feel like I, I was going on and on there trying to be nice and positive because it was a win, but the passing game is just as it, – it is – it's a big stinker. Big stinker. It's not good. Doesn't help getting, that getting Brendan Bates your, is out either. Yeah, uh, he was starting to pop a little bit. Getting back to your saving point. Mm-hmm. I do think Kentucky staff has gotten to a point where they know that they need to throw the ball. And for me, it go, like recruiting, I can see the change coming. Like you look at this 2020 class of receivers they got in this class, um, who I think we'll maybe start seeing more of them sprinkled in here moving forward. Well, and then this, this next class, because that's the strength of the class in 2021 is the receivers. Well, and I think that's the the part that I worry about with the class, like – because that's the big key is you don't want your uh, your recruiting class to kind of implode and look at – I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought because there's so much stuff happening right now. Uh, LEX18 just declared uh, the election. Kanye West is tweeting out election results from LEX18 where he has more votes than Trump. So, I mean, well, what the hell's going on? Joe, Joe oh Jorgensen's got 36% of the vote. Uh, the – Josh Allen just threw an interception that a guy went backwards, forward, sideways, turned around, and almost got a pick six out of it. Oh, and the Jets released Levy. Yeah, I was about to say that one. <laughs> like, what the hell is going F- on? Football got me. That's the one that really caught my eye. Not necessarily Kanye or uh, anything else you just said, <laughs> but Levy on Bell. Levy on Bell on the hitting the free agent market. That's the one that that really they, really they, got my eye emoji going. They're still going to have to pay him six million bucks to cut him too, right? Jets are a mess, man. I, I said at the beginning of all this, they should just have the Jets and Giants play every week. <laughs> it's you, you know what? Like though? just quarantine them and uh, let's have football island and just let them play in the Caribbean or something every 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 Sunday morning at like yeah. nine a.m. to replace feel, the London games. I feel bad for their quarterbacks because I actually think yeah, there no. might be something there. Well, and then once Barkley got hurt for the Giants, they just had no shot. Like, you could have at least, like, you've seen a scenario. It's like, oh, the NFC East is garbage, hot garbage. You can win five games and go to the playoffs. But, like, it's, it is it is a mess. It's just Jones, I don't believe in. But Darnold, I would like to see him go somewhere else. I think he could succeed somewhere else. Like, yeah, they're they're a mess. Sure. <laughs> they're both they're both in a tank land for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But – I want to go back to it. Your your biggest worry. Just make sure you can keep this class together. And I don't think there's really any big threats for that besides the two big fish, which is Dekel Crowdis and then uh, the kid from Alabama, Christian Lewis. Christian Lewis, who got bumped up to a four star by twenty four seven recently. I think where Kentucky is, if you wanted to negatively recruit them, it's kind of easy to and i think it's hard to pitch to these yeah, guys sure. that you're going to play immediately if these receivers are terrible and you're still not playing the freshman but that's that's the one kicker where it's like well if these guys aren't going to play then who is you know so uh, I, i'm wondering 
like where is the line that they draw where they start playing some of those younger guys? Because I, I mean, if it's a full systems failure, you can really start doing that in the Missouri game. I mean, you don't want to throw them to the dogs against Tennessee or Georgia's defense, but I mean, sprinkling one or two in against Tennessee's might be doable. But that that's just – I just don't know what they're waiting for to an extent. I guess – and I thought they should have rolled the dice with them out there a week ago, but it it doesn't – we're not getting any indication that that's happening other than Eddie Grant saying today that we're just playing with more of a sense of urgency. And then we get – we hear Drennan's not going to play. Uh, yeah. And then, he, like, and then he gets in there at the end. I didn't notice it live, but when I went back on the rewatch, I was like, oh, like Drennan's getting snaps here with Joey Gatewood. But the one I look at, Isaiah Cummings has gotten some reps already. I think he's probably an obvious candidate. But one thing about him on those receiver screens, that dude can block. Like, I don't worry about him missing blocks like for that. So, that'll help. But as far as, you know, a, a threat down the field, I don't think he really has a foot speed or a separation ability um, to really make a difference there. But I think on the edge, he could help you with some of your stuff. Um, just as far as blocking goes. I think really all the eggs are kind of in Bryce Oliver's basket this weekend. Yeah. Grand kind of went in on him today. and I mean, we'll see what yeah, he can give him. I don't I, – like, did you ever have a hamstring injury? No. I think you have to be fast to have one of those because I never had a hamstring injury either. So, I don't – Probably right on that. I don't really know how they work, but I remember when Dorian Baker had one, and he basically didn't play for like six mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah, he missed a lot of time with it. So, and the thing is, too, is I've heard that he's that Oliver's been practicing, so they would assume he's good to go. But I guess on game day, he's just not ready. I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but they need him desperately. They need him bad, and they need him as soon as possible because I think where we saw the offense struggle was partly because there was no, there, there was Mississippi State didn't have to honor the deep passing threat whatsoever at all, just at all. They threw it deep one time, and both guys were covered stride for stride. No chance, even if the ball was in the area, that it was going to be completed. It wasn't close. Um, and- but that's I think that's their biggest issue. They don't have guys that cre- create that separation. I mean, that really get all, all gets the speed. That's why a guy like Crowness, I think, is so important. Yeah. Uh, I guess Akeem Hayes maybe could have some speed, but uh, he might be in the doghouse after his. Yeah, I don't know if his tweet. speed is – his speed is probably more underneath, kind of shifty. I don't know, like, top line, if he's just going to run past people, um, similar to, like, 2-2 at Louisville, what he's able to do. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think Hayes has right to be mad. When you see some of the other receivers getting targets and playing time over him, he's at least, when the balls come his way, he's made plays happen. And he's catching it. And Yeah. I mean – and that's uh, you know they're trying to get the tight ends more involved, but Justin Rigg. Again, that gets back to like they're probably giving the wrong tight end too many targets. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm not. I have no issues throwing to Rigg, but some of these passes should be going to Upshaw. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's the same thing we're going to say when we get to the running backs. Like, what the hell? What would Chris Rodriguez ever do to not get more targets than that? AJ Rose. We're AJ Rose right now. Look at. Since the Vanderbilt game of last year, he's fumbled it every nine and a half carries. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, how do you – less than 10 carries, he's fumbled the ball. And the thing – Forgot is, about that Vanderbilt fumble. Yeah, they're in the – I mean, the last two have been in the red zone. Or this one was like the 25. But you're taking points off the board. The Vanderbilt one was down there. It was after that long run he had, and then they give it to him like two plays in a row. A very similar to Ole Miss. Like, you mm-hmm. think they would have learned their lesson after the <laughs> Vanderbilt experiment. But, yeah, I mean, I forgot about that. The thing with the staff, they're just – they do it every year. Like, the seniors that are here, it's kind of just like, you know, a loyalty type thing. This is how, you know, our culture, our DNA, our team identity, all that works is you stay here, you put in the work, you're going to get, the, you know, benefit of the doubt kind of thing. And Rose, you know, he just – redshirt senior, has been here a long time. Waited his time behind Benny. Um, by all accounts, it seems like he's been a good teammate um, and all that. And they just, I don't know, they keep riding. And Rodriguez, like I threw out some stats this week. 
he's got like a 72% success rate. So, and he's only, he's got his first play went for negative three yards. Every play since that has at least gained a yard. Like That's pretty falling, crazy. He's <laughs> like, falling forward. You're almost guaranteeing not like, and, you know. and, that, and that I think disproves the, the notion that the coaches have that like, well, if we block it, well, they're all going to get good yards. Like, no, there's, there's a difference. Well, we, we saw with Snell, I mean, you could, hundreds of times of him turning a one-yard gain, a negative two-yard gain into three, four, five. And that's it, just – I mean, that's – it's a hidden yardage on top of that to be able to just scrape and claw. And there was one run, Rodriguez ran to the left. He had two guys. He was going to be a tackle for loss, probably two-yard loss. He kind of squirts through and gets four yards. And it's just little plays like that I think he's able to make consistently. And – Against Mississippi State, I just didn't understand it. Whenever they ran forward with any of the backs, really, mm-hmm. Rose had a like a 50% success rate in the game. Um, he really didn't have any bad runs in that game other than the fumble. They uh they went into the game thinking they were gonna pass for 300 yards and really hurt them with like design quarterback runs. And Mississippi yeah. State just blew all that stuff up. Yeah, and they kind of played in the Mississippi State's hands, I thought, instead of just getting out and saying, I don't care that you're in some funky three three five defense. We're doing what we do. We're going to run the football with our running backs behind this offensive line. And like Rodriguez only getting seven carries in a game. I know you only had fifty four snaps or whatever, but that's just ridiculous, especially in the second half when you're struggling like you were. And like I, what? There's like no Terry excuse Wilson, for him to not ride him a possession. I know that quarterback sacks or whatever count against him, and some of those are just scrambles. But mm-hmm. he's been the leading carrier for. Two out of the three weeks, maybe all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, close to it. Either way, like we get it. Terry's a good runner, but that shouldn't be your bread and butter, right? And when you've got the third and five stuff, like no, just nobody's falling for the quarterback draws. <laughs> you know, like when you go five wide, like we think they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to do a quarterback draw. That's just that's what UK does. It's what the sales used to do. Every time we we, I don't even think we had a pass play except all goes out of our five wide receivers. It was always just to get space so we could run a quarterback draw. Like, If I'm knowing this, they're going to know it. It's frustrating. Just give Chris Rodriguez the damn ball. I don't. I just don't know where the disconnect is and how it's not being seen um, because he was really the only one getting positive momentum plays Saturday in that second half. And I'm curious to look at your thoughts because uh, John Hale asked Mark Stoops at Monday's press conference, he's like, do you, do you regret not trying to uh, establish the run more early? And Mark says, oh, I think we did, but they were just taking it away from us. Do you agree with Stoops' statement? No, not necessarily, because I don't think they really tried to get the backs rolling. I think the game plan was for Terry to beat them, and that's what they stopped. And then I think it got to a point in the game where they were like, okay, we're not losing unless, you know, the offense – you know, just implodes. So then it just be, then it became just, let's just get the heck out of here. But like on those Terry's runs. Yeah. He had one scramble was 50 yards, set up a touchdown. Um, I went back and counted. He had 10 design carries Four of those were either stopped for no gain or loss. So, and then two sacks on top of it. So you take out that scramble. He had 12 times. He had the ball where he he lost yardage pretty much. Six of them. He lost yardage. So like, you know, he did give you the big play, which set up a score, which is nice. But I just it's think uh, – I think the balance is just kind of out of whack. Yeah, I think it's just – I think they're asking Terry to do too much. I mean, I, I think that's really – to me, uh, that's where it gets to. Um, because Terry has his flaws, obviously, as a passer. But he's not throwing to the best right now. You take Ali away and – I mean that the receiver course just let's you know it's not good. Um, they well, could do I think they could do some stuff to help him. I think they're starting to get the tight ends more involved. Like you saw like this past week, I think they threw to him like six times. Bates had a catch, Upshaw had a couple catches, Rig mm-hmm. had a drop and I think two catches. So that shows me at least they're going going to them more, which is something I think they need to do, obviously. But I think DNA of this team, I think, should be Chris Rodriguez running behind that offensive line and then sprinkling in carries for the other backs and Terry and then passing to keep them balanced. 
the thing is, look at like, haven't we been here before with this? They're asking Terry to do too much. Like, it's. I think a lot of it has to do Nick with they want to pass the ball because they think that it's going to hurt them in recruiting. Like, I don't think Darren Henshaw is all cool with yeah. Let's run the single wing again. Like, okay. I think they. I think they want to pass it. Which I get, but you can't effectively pass with these receivers if you're not establishing a run game first. Like one can't. I just I go back. It, this game reminded me of the A and M game where Grain just got way too cute, and that was one where Terry was seeing ghosts. And I don't remember like if they asked him to do a ton there, but I just remember Grand being off his game, and they they got away from what got him to that point. And so I don't I. I think it is fixable, but I but I do believe that Terry Wilson's a guy that after at this stage in his career, I think he's a fine quarterback, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to put the team on his back and just win it all with, with arm talent. Like he needs some help. He needs some help from the run game and he needs his receivers to make some plays. Like he couldn't even throw a screen pass without Josh Ali getting blown up. Like he's yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he need, he he's fine, but he can't do it all by himself. Like that's just that's not in his repertoire. So Terry's a game manager who has um, some foot speed that can really hurt defense. Yeah, but he, you have to use him that way. That like featuring him, I think the way they're featuring him, um, they're treating him more like as he's like one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC and in the country. When I really don't think that's the case. When they really the teeth of this offense to me is the offensive line in run block, run blocking, and then um, the run, the running back, then the running game, and then I think well, some of the stuff can do with the running game when it gets rolling, it's good, and then you then you can hit passing. But like to go out and throw it as much as they're throwing it, I mean they only threw it twenty times. You count, but they only ran what 55, 54 plays, yeah, so they yeah. threw it a good chunk of it. Well, you know what I think they did like it. I think they they, they they bought in a little bit too much to how well the offense playing its whole mess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which but was, then that but that they had but that's that's my point though. The offense that's what I wanted to see, like eighteen passes, maybe a little bit more, but right in that area and then running the ball with the backs and then sprinkling some Terry runs in there. They just they got I thought they got away from it. They got, you know, like I really honestly think they looked at this front and said, oh, they're good against the run. They're going to commit to stop the run. We're going to come out and pass it. Yep. Got and it cute. just – I think they – well, I think they played right in the Mississippi State's hands. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why I do think it's salvageable, right? Like, we don't need to – Just one game. I don't think we need to do the uh, Missouri game where you've got three different quarterbacks playing in one game. Like, that was a freaking disaster. And I even asked them, like him directly. I was like, "Yeah, you're gonna do kind of like what you did after the Vanderbilt game last year." And he was like, "You know, every quarterback plays in practice." Um, I, I think maybe you could see maybe some more Gatewood just because the dude is great. Like, why, why, why wouldn't you though? The way the receivers are, put Gatewood and Terry out there together, motion one out, maybe throw it to one, or I mean, you could just whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Joey Gateway, like here, here's the thing too. Like it, why I'm not even. I got kind of mad about the Gatewood stuff during the Ole Miss game because Terry was playing well, but like at least this ain't no Gunner hoax sitting behind Wilson. So no. like, <laughs> I mean, this dude. Uh, I mean, he's a that's a big sob man. Yeah, he's not small. <laughs> and I think he about threw that football through Cleveland Thomas's chest on that one pass. That was just a perfect uh, ending of the game, though, to me. Like. <laughs> You get you get out there. The O line starts blowing a hole. McLean shows some stuff. Like you're like okay, and then Gatewood, you see something with him, and then he third down. He makes a nice read. Throws a you know a dart, mm-hmm. sticks it on him. Drop. <laughs> just like all right, let's just kick this field goal. Get out of here. Mm, seen the theme with one of those guys. Uh, yeah, and you got Ruffalo at least to get some action in. But have you noticed like it that all of these Kentucky running backs? Every one of their first carries is like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had – I think it was UT Martin for Tisdale, or was it Louisville where he went for like 60 yards? Tisdale was UT Martin. It was Louisville before that for Smoke and Rodriguez, I think. Yeah, yeah, at Louisville whenever uh, Kentucky yeah. beat him by like a million. I know we it's hard to get those Louisville games straight on which time Kentucky beat him by a million, um, but it was one of those where mm-hmm. they went out and had crazy runs. Um, man. 
McLean's going to have to play some more this week too because Stoops said both uh, Rose and Rodriguez are, uh, you know, a little banged up, his his favorite phrase. So maybe we'll see a little more of uh, Jatan at Tennessee. Maybe that's why we didn't see Rodriguez. Maybe there was a reason for that. Yeah, I, re- I really wonder if there's something to that though. Like if – not injury, really. Like if there's something there where like – Cause it just it's like they it, don't trust some kind of thing. Yeah, like or if he's just kind of a poop head or something. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I really. Yeah, I can only go about what I've seen, and what I've seen last year and this year has been pretty daggone good. And and I think just in general, this is figuring out this team has been the most difficult time that I've ever had watching Kentucky football because especially since I started doing this for KSR and, you know, I'm typically getting to go to a couple practices. Uh, you know, you typically get a couple kind of warm up games, just kind of what their, their wings flap a little bit. And you also have more people in practice and there's a little bit more talking about stuff. You know, they're not letting anybody in things are real quiet. It's hard to get anything from out of camp and just getting your finger on this team, trying to figure them out. It's even more difficult when you see, I mean, the Jekyll and Hyde thing is just overplayed. But, my God, you could not have seen two more different teams than the one that scored 41 points against Ole Miss and gave up 42 versus the one that shut out Mississippi State offensively and only had 157 yards. It's football, though. Um, Football can be weird like that. Which, by the way, that game was like Stoops's dream like he he he'll probably put that get that picture of the score or the the box score in a trophy case in his office he's gonna have just uh let he's gonna have a gif made of max duffy kicking at 75 yards after safety <laughs> which is something i got to thinking about this nick the series is tied 28 28 like does it shouldn't we feel like this should be like a bigger rivalry kentucky mm-hmm. mississippi state uh it's just because we have looked down on them so much but they look down at us. I know. It's really weird. Like, we both think that they're just, like, trash. But there's not the same, like, animosity. And maybe it's because we just don't deal with each other ever. Like, Well, I just get to with, like, recently they've kind of, on the field, the players have kind of, you know, woofed at each other a little bit. You know, last two mm-hmm. years ago when they came. And then this game had a lot of back and forth um, yeah. jawing going. I just, I don't know. I feel like that that's a game, like, I don't know. Like it would, it makes sense for um, that game. I think to get the both fan bases a little more riled up because it's a game you can win. It's a game that's close every year, but it's just mm-hmm. never. Those have to happen organically, though, I guess. So, but it's never really happened. It's just another game, I think, for both fan bases, which is kind of weird because it's such an important game. I think for each program every year. Yeah, I. I've, they got that. Uh, I think for a while the kind of what you looked at from that fan base, you saw Stingray Steve and it was just like, I mean, this dude, you can't even like, how are you going to hate that guy? Hate these fans. Like, come on. It's Stingray Steve. Well, now Brandon Marshall, I think that's his name. Brandon Walker. Brandon Walker. Marshall, he's <laughs> yeah. just the cockiest cock of the walk, Mississippi state, Southern stubborn ass. Like he, he is a good person to hate. And I think next time this game gets going, get him in the mix with the KSR folks, and you can really get the both sides hating each other a lot yeah. more. Because yeah. he really is a son of a bitch. I just feel like it's like I don't know. I feel like it only it won't take much to get it going. Yeah, and having Leach, like this was just our first little appetizer. I mean, he's gonna be hanging around there a while. They're gonna give him plenty of time. Yeah, I, I think that'll really turn things up. It also probably doesn't help that like the home team always wins. Like losing on your home yeah. field just bites a lot more. And that's why this game this Saturday, we spent unfortunately a lot of time in a loss or in a win. <laughs> I mean, hell, I even let it slip of the tongue. We spent a lot of time in a win talking about the bad because of just the weirdness of this year. Football is just weird in 2020, but you beat Tennessee. This year's just different. Like this is, and, and we kind of talked about it going into senior. You're going to lose a game that you didn't expect. There's your old Miss, and you wanted to split Auburn and Tennessee. 
you want to split one of those two. Because if you beat Auburn at Auburn, then the world thinks you're for real. And if you beat Tennessee, then you just you beat Tennessee. Like it's a great freaking year. So it's, uh, it's a huge fan base game, and I think Stoops acknowledged that this and, week. And the thing is, too, look at we've never seen them do this. <laughs> I was thinking about this. They've won in every SEC East venue since 2009, except this one. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. It, have they won at Mississippi State since then? SEC East. I oh, know. I'm just trying to think because it was a regular opponent. The last time they won was um, 08 at Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, 09 is when Mullen got there and went on that run. Bastard. Ooh. So, oh, I mean, oh, eight, that's just a year apart. Mm, briefly. How dumb does Dan Mullen look right now? Like, is he like the biggest doofus in America today? Ultimate sore loser complex. Dude, he's the worst loser. And he and he's, he comes off as such a little dweeb, too. And he gets he's his, off he's the urban school. tree, man. Oh, man. It's the worst. And he comes off, we got to pack the swamp. We got to get him out there and pack the swamp. And it's like two days later, half his team's got COVID. And that, I know that's an exaggeration, but they just got the, the third and Grantham bug. It's just bitten them hard this year. Man, that last one, that guy was so wide open. That last big play Texas A&M had because if Florida gets a stop right there, yeah. it's fourth down. They can't make... stop the run. I mean, I think that's their biggest issue. Man, it's a real shame. They made Isaiah Spiller look like Emmett Smith. That was like that's a game like you flip the Florida and Auburn game days on the UK schedule, like. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Florida probably would have scored a lot of points on that day, but I think Kentucky would have probably ran for close to 400 yards on them. So, I mean, no. if you get a turnover too, who knows? Right, right. Uh, I, I will say, I'm, I'm even though I like Dan Mullen look like an idiot because his team has suspended play for the day, hope it's not anything big because it's one thing if Vandy, Vandy is the team that's shutting down games and postponing them until the end of the year. It's another thing if it's, postponing Florida LSU. Mm-hmm. That's a big game, no matter when it's played, where it's played. So it would not be good if that game – I think Bo Pelini would be fine with that game being postponed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which, you know, I feel like you've – Let's itching. reevaluate here. I, th- I feel like you're itching to talk a little Bo Pelini. But I just – like, how can you be that bad? I don't understand it. Like, how can you be that bad? How can you not just be like, all right, you know, people are just running free. Let's just drop. Let's get in cover three and just make them dink and dunk, and then hopefully our. Pay. I just don't. I don't understand it. Like I watched that Missouri. I went back and watched it, and there are there's Missouri guys running wide open, just no one even in the screen. Basilak only had five incomplete passes. You know, I just I don't. I'm just like, what is? What are they doing? And his was that his first start too, or mm-hmm. second first start? Only five incompletions. Basilak. He's putting up some gaudy numbers, um, but I'm waiting to see what what he does when somebody takes away the deep ball. Um, because against Tennessee and Missouri – or LSU, excuse me, he threw it deep a bunch. I um, mean, he's really good at throwing it deep. But I'm interested to see what he does when someone takes away the deep ball. Um, yeah, but he might I, not see it because the, the, some of these SEC defenses – now, a lot of it has to do with some of the offenses they're seeing, but whew, it hadn't been good. I mean, even Kentucky did until last week. No, no, it hadn't. But now uh, you look at Kentucky and they're the top half of everything in the conference, every defensive metric after one half or one game. They went from tied for last in the nation with zero turnovers to uh, tied for like eighth or it's, something. That's why the schedule the schedule is so week by week. It's just – It's hard to get reads on teams. Par- the parity is so crazy and it's just – you just gotta like I firmly you just can't, I'm not even thinking about like November like it's just like it's all about Tennessee this week and then next week it'll all be about Georgia and then it's just that like so much is gonna happen I think in a small week of time and these games are all coming down the wire I mean look at Kentucky spreads the first four games have all been within one possession mm-hmm. so you're essentially playing a coin flip game if it was on a neutral field four weeks in a row. Yeah, which, and, which is just ridiculous in college football, at least. And I, I don't know how, like, I think if you went through the league, there's obviously teams that are overperforming and underperforming. Like at LSU, 
you know, there's a reason why folks were opting out. I, I mean, I think that's clear now that that was going to be a lot to, to handle with all that turnover. Um, yeah. Arkansas, hey, good job, Sam Pittman. Better than we anticipated. And really, aside from Georgia and Bama at the top, it's a, it's a whole bunch of other guys who can really beat anybody on any, any given day. Um, yeah. It's two elites, and then I think it's – it's two elites, and then I think, like, Florida is probably on top of the next group. Um, there may be a little bit of space between them and everybody else, but four through 13, yeah, I think you're kind of grasping for straws each spot. It's the uh, Phil Steele quarterback rankings from the preseason where there's uh-huh. like they had two guys up top, and then it was just like, oh, there's the rest. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. And we're going to find out. The top, I mean, the top two are playing Saturday night, and we get the rare – CBS Saturday night, mm-hmm. which are they always Georgia games? Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, because uh, we, I guess they, they got a Bama LSU one at Death Valley that was at night. Uh, but there was like the Georgia Notre Dame game. Yeah, Georgia Notre Dame games. was the first. That was the first non LSU Alabama game in like seven years, seven or eight years. That was their flex night game. Mm-hmm. Man, I, uh, good thing I, they, they picked the right one though because. That LSU Bama is going to be after the Masters on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's got that weird, like, 6 o'clock start time. Yeah. But uh, that's not looking too hot of a matchup right now. Really hoping that ESPN picks up the Georgia-Kentucky game at 7. When on Saturday, it'll be ESPN 7. Well, and especially just because ESPN hasn't had them all year. So that that's what I'm rooting for. Get that extra 30 minutes. Man, I'm not going to lie. Like it. The dad strengthened me. It was like – Dude, you are not used to this staying up till 1 a.m. to write kind of stuff. Your brain is only good for wiping asses this late at night. Mm-hmm. So hit me a little, hit a little bit different. Um, but we can talk about that that Georgia game a week from now, uh, when we're back on the pod. But Tennessee coming up this Saturday. Well, it, you said it last week. If Kentucky beats Mississippi State, they're gonna beat Tennessee. So tell me why. I'd still think that. I look at these teams, Nick, and they're they're identical. They're identical in a lot of ways. Um, like the team composite, I think twenty four seven dropped that today. And you look at it, um, Tennessee's a little bit higher than Kentucky. I think they're at twelve, but Kentucky's at like twenty four. Um, but the average star rating is like there's like a two to three point difference. Um, and then you look at Tennessee's five stars. They have five. Okay, four are on the offensive line, and then one is a transfer from Michigan. Aubrey Solomon, who's playing on the defensive line, who's probably who probably won't get drafted. Um, so, like both teams are built on running the football and offensive behind their offensive line. The offensive line is a show for each side. Um, you look at some of the numbers. Like I think Kentucky's backs are better than Tennessee's backs. At least the numbers they're putting up are better. Maybe it's because offensive line's better. Um, but look at Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Um, the numbers are just okay. They're both averaging under five yards per carry. Their success rate numbers are like at below 40, like right at 40, 36, 40%. Um, and then quarterback. And really that's where this game comes down to, to me. If yeah. Terry Wilson plays Jerry Garantano to a draw, Kentucky's winning this game. If Kentucky's run defense is what I think it is, which is against running backs, which has been really, really good. good. Yeah. The best we've seen under Stoops. Um, they're not giving up big plays. They're getting some negative plays, and backs really don't, aren't going anywhere. It's two, three yards, a negative play thrown in, um, a sprinkle of eight, 10, 12-yard game. Um, they've been really good. If that's what we see on Saturday in Tennessee, Brian game, they you know they played three games. Obviously, Georgia game, you got to throw that out a little out the window. But against Missouri and South Carolina, both those defenses had a little bit of success stopping the run. So you take you take that into account. Kentucky's run defense can stop them. And if they can just prevent Garantano from going off, which he has done. He has um, been – Three times he played Kentucky. I don't know, like, if somebody from UK stole his girlfriend or what the deal is, but he plays uncharacteristically great against mm-hmm. Kentucky each year, and it is infuriating because Tennessee fans hate him. <laughs> like, and I know a big part of it was the, the fumble and the quarterback sneak last year at the goal line against Alabama. But like, you know, he, he has a way of letting them down and yet he's absolutely crushed Kentucky. 
mm-hmm. which, by the way, very funny moment from the CBS broadcast where Gary Danielson, I mean, it was the perfect announcer jinx. He was like, and Garrett Tuttle, he just doesn't turn the ball over in the next play. I mean, he had barely even finished talking about how he never throws interceptions. Garrett Tuttle throws an interception on a dumb play while he's getting sacked, like throwing off his back foot. Kentucky's never intercepted Garantano. Um, he's like a career seven, seven and a half point yard per attempt quarterback. He's like at 10.8 yards per attempt in three games against Kentucky. He's on seven touchdowns. He completed a, a Hail Mary for Christ's sake for a touchdown. If he doesn't complete that pass, I still think Kentucky probably wins that game. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And so it's just like, he just like, it's just, it's a head scratcher against Kentucky. Um, but last year he did fumble. They got Kentucky a shot to win the game last year. I mean, we kind of forget about that because Lynn Bowden got stopped right. on fourth and goal. But Kentucky did have a chance to win that game because of a fumble he had late in the game on a handoff. And he has four fumbles in 12 quarters this year. Ooh. That's good. Every time he was sacked against Georgia, he fumbled. <laughs> and Tennessee's offensive line ranks last in the SEC in sack rate allowed. They also have a really dumb nickname for their offensive line. Yeah, I, I saw that this week. What was it? What was it? It's the Tennessee Valley Authority. Which Tennessee Valley Authority? Great. Sounds program. like a concrete company in next in Knoxville. Well, it, it is. The TVA was a, a New Deal program that built all the dams and the it basically brought electricity. And, and oh, I get it then. Like they're they're pavers kind of thing they paved the way for the running backs it was basically yeah government jobs we're going to do all these projects they got hydroelectric dams uh you've got some lakes built out of it um for recreation i don't think lake Cumberland was a tva i think but it might have been a tva one but essentially they built all this stuff during the new deal uh in in east tennessee and eastern kentucky bring electricity everywhere and now they're just trying to make it a, a play on words with their offensive line. Real big blue wall, way cooler than the Tennessee Valley Authority. Tennessee Valley Authority, the real one, it's disrespecting them. They're disrespecting the New Deal and FDR. Tennessee hates the New Deal. Suck it, Knoxville. It is a cheesy name. It's very cheesy. And uh, but the way that Kentucky's defensive line played last week, I'm feeling I'm the guys up front and even the edge guys, because I think Boogie got home on one. Did Bright get home on a sack as well? Either way. Uh, who got that second? Well, Wright got home. It was like a scramble, but he tackled him like a yard behind the line. So it ended up being a sack. Oh, well, pushing out of bounds. Hey, like we're not, we're not, yeah. If it's in the stat book, it's in the stat book. But just getting some plays from those guys, having Quentin Bohannon get after him, I know it's going to be a much taller task against this team but still uh, it was good to see it to know that it was there because like let's be honest we we didn't really know it was there or not and it just goes to show that like that tempo really does put it just puts stress on everybody i mean well the, they, once you give up a first down it all goes out the window because they get that foot on the gas and they're just go 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 it's when you're like guarding tempo right yeah. now where it's your home run or bust like they're yeah. either three and out or they're going and scoring if you can get that first stop um, without them getting a first down, you're in really good shape. But if you don't, I mean, you're not able to slow them down with like an offensive penalty or incompletion or whatnot. You can you can be in deep trouble. You can get gas quick. Oh, man, I'm very yawny tonight, so I want to apologize yeah. to but the folks. This uh, game, I think it's there. just like you don't need Terry to win it, but just it's don't lose it kind of operation. I think. It, I think it, first one to 20 wins this game. I, I noticed the number was getting bet down really fast. It was a cake that came out at 52 or 53 and it's down to 46. <laughs> That's a lot of points. Which I thought, which I thought was way too high when I saw that 52. I'm done betting totals. I can't do it, man. I thought Tennessee, Georgia was the under was the lock and it's a lock of all locks. And- yeah. If you're going to lose it, I like to lose it that way. Just make it easy. Don't let me sweat it out in the, in the fourth quarter. Just let, let's go. I don't know. I kind of like having hope. Just a little bit. Like That's little, the worst, though, to lose like that at the end. Uh, especially if you've got an over mm-hmm. and you're like, just get in the end zone, damn it, yeah. and then they like throw an interception or something. Yeah. Another thing, through t- three games, Tennessee's defense, like I think it's good, but it's not as good as I think people were projecting it to be. 
Um, on the front, it's kind of like the UK strategy where, all right, guys, just take up blocks, let our linebackers run around, make tackles. And then, uh, you know, secondary makes a place for us as well. But they're giving up a lot of explosive pass plays through the air. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Which- a good pa- pass rusher. DeAndre Johnson might be the best pass rusher in the SEC. He's got three and a half sacks, and he didn't even play the Georgia game because he was the guy that got kicked out early. Um, so that's a worry. But they, they've given up some stuff through the air, mainly middle of the field they've had issues with. So that's, you know, tight end. It's, it's good – to know that like they aren't going to be uh like you know Pruitt is kind of on the, I wouldn't say on the aggressive side but you know mm-hmm. he's just all up in their ass all the time. The blitz has really hurt Kentucky in the, in their pass protection last week, and it it wasn't just because up until this point they had been staying successful. out of passing downs. Like if you get like Kentucky's just toast if they're in third and eleven. Right, right, right. So, uh, run the damn ball, feed Rodriguez. Uh, Henry Toto, is that how you say it? Toto, Toa, I think. Toa, Toa, great, great name for a linebacker. He's a stud. Um, get a body on him. But I, I'm, I'm firmly in the belief that if we can get this Chris Rodriguez rolling, using Max Duffy, this is a punt to win game like it. You mm-hmm. get Jared Garantano backed up and get him into those third and longs, the third and a miles that Mississippi State was in. I mean. 17 third down attempts for an average of 8.8 yards on each one of those attempts. Like that's you're you're going to be horrible because that's just how the numbers are. If it's third and long, it's going to be much more difficult. Put some stress on Garantano. Be able to pin your ears back and get after him because, like you said, when he gets hit, a ball comes loose. And he struggles, I think, in the intermediate game. But where he's best at is just throwing that ball deep. Josh Palmer was a guy who. Won a 50-50 ball in Kentucky last year. Dude, he had – You're going to be in those situations. Kentucky's got to win some this weekend. It's crazy. He, like, tipped it to himself. I don't know. He's good. He's good. And then the scoring opportunity stat we talked about last week. Tennessee, when you go back and look at the Missouri game, the yards per play were pretty much similar. Tennessee had six scoring opportunities, but Missouri had five. Um, Tennessee scored touchdowns on all but one of their trips, while Missouri only – Muster 12 points with a couple – a misfield go and then a couple turnover on downs. So, I think that's going to be obviously a key part in the game is what – Got to get RBIs when runners yeah, when, are in scoring position. Yeah, when you got a runner on second, you got to knock them in. So, when you get there, you got to finish it. Um, and then, uh, you know, just just play your game. Like, I, I do think – like, I think this is a toss-up game. I think if these teams played us – this was the NBA playoffs, it's, this series probably goes seven games. Who is the – who's the LeBron James? No, actually, LeBron's a bad – because he's old now. He's a little – but who who is the – who's going to be the best player on the field Saturday? Ooh, that's a good question. Trey Smith. Yeah, he's he's really good. But okay, let's that, go. let's go offense, defense. Tennessee has the ball – or no, let's go – Kentucky has the ball. Tennessee's on defense. I would probably say Toa Toa. Yeah. But Kentucky might have them, you know, they might not have them one or two, but they probably have – I think you could make the yeah. argument three through ten. Right, right, if we're going snake draft style. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the other side, if it was Tennessee on offense, mm-hmm. Kentucky on defense, Trey Smith, maybe Cade Mays. Yeah, but then- they're using Mays at tackle. And I think he's better at guard. And then I mean, but at that point, I'm I'm going in the trenches at for UK though. Mm-hmm. I'm and a boogie, a bohanna, a right. An- Pascal, Pascal, you got to get Pascal back. I know, stupid. Yeah, that's big. About that on Monday. That's, that's big. You got it. This is this is the Josh Pascal game because he's built to go up against. And he's better than uh, not maybe not Mays, but at left tackle. Like I think he's better than that guy. Yeah, like, I so, think he's going to win more times than not. Oh, my God, they just fumbled again. Holy crap. It's Tuesday Night Football, man. It's really throwing me off. And Quentin Bohanna, uh, Tennessee starting right guard. They went to high school together. Jerome oh. Carvin. Oh, that's a the guy Kentucky game. recruited. And a little Darian Kennard homecoming game. Mm-hmm. Going back to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So, really, I, I look at the game this way, Nick. This is why I think Kentucky's going to win. Kentucky has a better rushing offense, and they got a better rush defense. 
I think they're they, they're more efficient <laughs> with their running backs. I think they got the QB run element um, that Tennessee really hasn't seen yet this year. So it all comes down to you know can they prevent that big play pass yeah. well, with Garantano, which they've been good at though I think for the most part. Man, I just we we both had those memories of Marquez Callaway though, like those. Yeah. those but they brutal. don't. Palmer is Palmer is kind of that guy. He can make those plays, but I think maybe that's I think that's the only one. But you you know, the Kentucky's do um, some breaks um, yeah. to go their way. And when you look at as a small road dog, is a place Stoops has traditionally succeeded in. Um, it happened. Tw- you, you all right there? The Bills get catching your eye? No, no, no. I'm excited because like it. I'm not gonna lie. The the. Uh, the offensive woes do have a way of swallowing me a pole. Yeah, for sure. Because it, is, it could end up being a great thing. But it, we could look back and like them catching that might have been a good thing for for them going into this game. You're right, you're right. And it's the, the the reason why I get so down though is just because I don't like the only alternatives I see for wide receivers are just playing different receivers, the young guys, and they mm-hmm. just aren't doing that. So I, I'm at a loss for what to do. And then uh, to add to that, I'm just like that. It's hard to win when you can't pass. And Kentucky did it last year, but that had me really concerned. But I knew that Tennessee would be just a better fit because Kentucky and Tennessee are still playing like this is 2003, 1998 in SEC football. They're playing defense. They're trying to run the ball. This it's a Falmer team. Like after Pruitt's first year. He had a conversation with Fulmer. They decided to strip the staff, and they paid big money to hire Jim Chaney, who is making like $1.5 million a year, and what he does is establish the run, play action pass. Um, it's go out and hire another Saban assistant to run your defense, Derek Ansley. It's Stoops assistant, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that was the connection, though, for them. I mean, that, that was the – and then bring back T. Martin for recruiting purposes around the area. Like that was it was, I mean, Fulmer's fingerprints are all over like how they're doing this. I think at Tennessee right now, but I think that I think that helps Kentucky in this game because I think you could argue Kentucky has a better defensive front right now, and the offensive lines are pretty damn close to a push. Um, and I think Kentucky if, now we'll see, um, but Kentucky's got a more dynamic run game just because of that QB run element. Um, so I think that gives them a little bit of advantage in this game. It's just can they negate the, the big pla- the big pass element Tennessee has enough in the game. That's where I, that's where I'll see the game break. I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. I'm feeling good. Uh, like it, I do. I do want to talk a little bit about watching Gavin Wimsett throw a football because here's the thing: there's not a whole lot of people who are going to like care about me just going on and on about this junior in high school, but dude, he can sling it and. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, I like it. I was really glad with the way that the game unfolded because no offense to the kids at Owens Real Catholic, they, they put, they're hard nosed. They hit people. They put it all on the line. They ran some fakes. Like it was, it was a fun football game, but they were outmatched. I mean, Owens is just twice the size of their school. They got better athletes. They just do. And Owensboro really struggled to start. They got a new center. He kept rolling the ball back to Wimsett, he was throwing his timing off, and he just wasn't playing great early on. And I, I liked because at first I'm like, well, am I going to see anything from this kid? And even in the adversity, dude came to play. And I got to tell you, look at some of these throws he was making. Like, I, I don't know if you saw the one, but he's rolling left away from his throwing arm. And he barely, I mean, he kind of, I mean, he's able to, set his feet at least but he's rolling away and throwing down the field 42 yards and hitting guys in stride he really has a great ability to throw the ball downfield and hit his receivers in stride and i think more importantly he can he can put it on a rope in between safety and corner he threw one touchdown that way and then he had one where I mean, it was just like, I bet that thing, it was a perfect little rainbow in the corner of the end zone. And if like it, if I would have drawn a little, if, if this would have been a soccer game and they have the little lines in the corner, he would have hit in between the thing. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, this kid, he's got some arm talent. He's got some really impressive arm talent. 
And I'm just glad that Vince Merrow was able to figure out that this kid was pretty good before he had a bunch of scholarship offers because they're, they're all going to come in. I mean, it's, it's arm talent. Like I haven't seen before from like, since my cousin was in high school and I was, you know, 10 years old and couldn't judge arm talent. I would just go, Whoa, look at the big pass. You talk about wide receiver recruiting. You get a guy like that in a class, you shouldn't have to worry about wide receiver recruiting for that class and probably the next class after that. I mean, that changes everything. You get a quarterback talent like that. Well, and I mean, that's what happened with Allen. You get Bo Allen, you're able to recruit some Mm -hmm. receivers around him. Um, Yeah. But I just, I, I needed to go in a little bit at length because. It was it was it was just it was a lot of fun to watch a high school kid operate like that, make all the throws, and even when his kid his his receivers were dropping some passes, like one dude got sawed in half. I mean, it was nasty. Uh, and ball came free. He still just kept slinging it. Uh, he also did the thing too, like it where he was like, "Yeah, I knew my guy was going to be wide open on the go route, but he just still looked to left to make sure the safety didn't go messing around, you know, just yeah. long enough. Uh, so just to be safe." Yeah, yeah. So I, Gavin Wimsett, very good. He went to the UK game the following day. Uh, it was also fun to look at. Like I hadn't been to a high school football game this year, <laughs> and there was some just. I mean, it's high school football refs. They just stink. First off, they don't have a throwing a ball away rule. Like that's dangerous. There's no. What do you mean? If you you can't, it's not in college where a quarterback if they're out of the pocket and they throw the ball and it just makes out of bounds, and it just makes it a line of scrimmage, you're fine. There has to be a receiver in the area. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crock of crap. Uh, but then <laughs> there was one where it was the most – it was the easiest defensive pass interference call in the history of mankind. Like, textbook, deep ball, underthrown a little bit. Guy tries to go get the ball, and the corner just never turns around. Face guards the whole time. And, mm-hmm. I mean, easiest pass interference call. Nobody called it, and somebody in the stands was like, "Where'd you get these refs?" And like, like somebody from the Owensboro Catholic press box screamed back at him, "They're from Nashville," <laughs> trying to prove they're like unbiased. It was, it was great. It was great. It was a great time, though. I got to get to call the game. That was fun. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they get up around Lexington in the playoffs. Play Frederick Douglass. That'd be a fun game. That'd be nice. Yeah, be awesome. Show. Um. So I think, what, what haven't we gotten to in this podcast? Just a preview of the little weekend. Any You looked at any numbers yet? Man, You're on I a cold streak, my friend. Dude, it's bad. It's real bad. And I don't – I didn't like the board at all last week. And I – so I've just kind of put it off for a while. But I will say I love that Mac Jones is doing well right now. But I really want it to crash and burn against Georgia. I really do. And some of it's because, like, like I remember when he initially committed and Roland compared his throwing to Tim Couch, and I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down now. Um, so, like, now every time I see Mac Jones, I'm like, he ain't no Tim Couch. And it's just like the the meatball fan of me is, like, defending my prideful Kentuckiness. But he's been good this year, man. He's been really good. Uh, I think uh, – good. I've got a take on this. I think seeing Mac Jones and seeing Connor Basilak, this success they're having, should give Kentucky fans hope for the future. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Look because it. of these quarterbacks they've targeted and they wanted, um, they went really hard to get. They didn't get them. They got one in Bo Allen. Just, just keep that in mind. Damn it, I love that. Look, at that's like a galaxy brain take, man. That is just so next level. But, dude, you're making me feel good about Kentucky football again. And I needed that. I've been kind of down in the dumps lately. I think it's just all the COVID kind of like, you know, it, it gets heavy on you. Nick, man, if you're going to – if um, like if Stoop stays here a little while, like we have to embrace wins like that. Like – Yes. Because exactly nationally, right. Nick – that is the stick. That's just like, well, that's that's what Kentucky does, and they're like, and they get applauded for it. But here we all, you know, we act like a b- <laughs> ball humbug all around because we can't throw the ball. Like, <laughs> bite me. Like, let's, it's fun to win like this. Like, we just we 150 yards on offense, and we blew out 
you know, this forward thinking, this guy who's going to revolutionize, revolutionize the SEC two weeks ago. No, like, you're, think, you're, you're exactly like, right. I think we, they just, people need to start embracing it. Like, this is just Kentucky football. It's, it's we're playing in the mud. And you know what? It's good that this is Kentucky football isn't just sucking. <laughs> yeah, this is in the, yeah, this is Kentucky football. It's it's winning ugly. And you know what? I'm it's going on a 23 play drive to win the belt bowl. <laughs> this is Kentucky football. That, that's what it is, man. 23 plays, 56 yards in nine minutes, whatever it was. <laughs> Oh man! Like, which, which, by is. the way, did you see the Falcons drive? That was like a twenty-play drive that they kicked a field goal. <laughs> I did <laughs> not like see ten that. minutes. Baylor uh, had a drive earlier this season. It was against Kansas. They went twenty plays, sixty yards, kicked the field goal. <laughs> and Army had a drive this weekend. It was like a twenty-play, fifty-yard drive that lasted ten minutes. Game time. I mean, it was a good two TV day Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually going to be at my in-laws this week. That noon slate was fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. And you know, SEC Network alternate, like, get get over yourself. What the, <laughs> They had – they were playing Florida and A&M on ESPN and ESPNU. Why? We all have those same channels. What the hell are you doing? Put – freaking the defending national champions – Put them on ESPNU. I know the schedule got worked around, but you had this same game on two channels. It made no sense at all. ACC Network, um, when that ESPN bought them and they started, they grandfathered in Raycom. Right. So YouTube TV had a, a falling out with like the Fox Sports regional sports networks. Mm-hmm. So I don't get them. So every time I have a game, maybe I have some vested interest in. I get triggered that I can't get this game on my YouTube TV. It's I'm like, like, why do we have the ACC network if I cannot watch this game? You can't watch Pitt Boston yeah. College. In this horrible broadcast. <laughs> why can't I? Yes. In like standard Boston definition. College, Wake Forest. Why can I not watch this? <laughs> Which, by the way, Pitt is like, they're the most Pitt football team that's ever been a Pitt football team this year. Mm-hmm. They're so Pitt. They just. I got Jeff Halfley, man, getting it done. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Like, you're on a heater. How did your. How did your picks do this three one? Three and three, unfortunately. This is a Georgia-Tennessee game. Yeah, that was a bad one, but I got off to a hot start. Florida A&M over. It's a solid pick. Hmm. But other than that, not not great, not terrible. I'll take it, though. You'll take it. We'll all take wins, just like we're going to take this Kentucky win against Mississippi State. We're going to roll it over into a nice little burrito, take a big old bite out of it, and shove it up a volunteer's ass because Tennessee is getting rocked first loss they're going to take it knee on to kentucky since 1984 look it we're gonna party like it's 1984 saturday how about it i feel good about it i like the chances oh man and i do too now thank you like it thank you i've been thanking you this podcast you know what get some extra kroger on me this week how about it there you go <laughs> we'll see y'all next week for like it i'm nick roush go cats go kroger